What is up, everybody? Welcome to Café con Santos, a show where we promote the rosary, reflect on the life of the saints, and share many journeys in the faith. Today, we have Jenny Bermejo from Holy Redeemer. She is a member of the Southwest Detroit community. Uh, she's also the current coordinator for the young adult group called Santo Toribio Romo, and she works for the Southwest Detroit Business Association, correct? Yep, that's correct. Yeah, so today uh, we're going to be talking about uh, a special saint, and you could probably tell by our setup here what it's going to be about uh, and who the saint is going to be, uh, but just a disclaimer, right now we change scenes. Uh, we're at Holy Redeemer, so every now and then you might hear a Honda just pulling out, <laughs> blasting their car. Uh, but you know, don't don't mind that. We'll just kind of ignore that. <laughs> I forgot that we're like in the corner of Werner and what is it, Junction, and it tends to get pretty loud in this it area. Does, it does. Yeah. All right. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for Jenny. Thank you for allowing us to come together and really just share our, our journey in the faith, talk about all the things you have done for us. Heavenly Father, we ask that you help not only us as we share our stories, but also the listeners who will get to hear a little bit about you, your love for us. And then also we ask that you protect us from any technical difficulties, any attacks that the viewers or the listeners may get from the enemy. Help us to have an understanding of, of your love, of your mercy, of your kindness. We ask this all uh, through the intercession of St. Margaret Mary, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Sorry, folks, I forgot to ask Jenny the most important question. Jenny, do you like coffee? Me encanta el café. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and you're just going to have to answer as honestly as possible. Are you ready? I'm ready, Ricardo. Okay, first question. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Uh, the superpower of intelligence. Cool. What, what would that look like? Do you just be super smart? Like I'd a, be super, super smart. And um, I think I would choose intelligence because um, I think it's a great way to for knowledge, to be able to know things, to be able to communicate with people, to be able to bring about, you know, um, great things. So I think that's very, very important. Do you have any superheroes as examples? As examples? Um, I don't think so. And there's Iron Man. That dude is a <laughs> genius. Um, whatever that guy from the Fantastic Four is. Uh, oh, wait, wait. The Hawk, right? The Hawk. Isn't he, he intelligent too? He's a, he's a smart dude. Yeah. Do you have a devotion to any saint? Um, I do have a devotion to a saint, and that would be to um, St. Maria Faustina Kowalski. Um, so she was the saint of the Divine Mercy, and so I'm, I'm very devoted to the blessed souls of the Purgatory, and in general, the blessed souls. Are you a dog or a cat person? Either. Ooh. <laughs> Are, do, you, do you have any pets? I don't. Yeah, no. 
Not an animal person at all? I'm not an animal person, unfortunately, Ricardo. I don't really like animals. (laughs) (laughs) So, not a fan of uh, St. Francis of Assisi? I like St. Francis of Assisi, (laughs) but I don't like animals. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have any pets either, so I guess. Uh, What set of mysteries do you like the most when praying a rosary? Um, I love the sorrowful mysteries, for sure. That's my favorite, too. Uh, What is your favorite dessert? Uh, Tiramisu. Tiramisu. I think someone else had Tiramisu in one of the episodes. Uh, Let's see. Were you always Catholic? Yes. Always Catholic. I was always Catholic. What is one thing that most people do not know about you? Um, I think most people don't know that I'm actually quite funny. I'm actually really, really funny. All right. uh, um, Off the top of your head, give me a joke. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe not that way, but I'm pretty funny. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, think about it for the rest of the episode. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll come up with a joke out of nowhere. Um, if you could have any job, what job would you get? I think I would love to be a missionary um, just because you get to travel and not just preach the word of God, but get to see so many of the beautiful places, you know, um, that, you know, Uh, God created as part of his creation so I think that's just the most beautiful thing you know and apart from that you do so many so much humanitarian work you know you put humility you know you devote yourself really to others and not yourself so I think that's probably the greatest work you know that I would like to do one day what song hypes you up or puts you in a good mood I love classical music um and so the one that I'm loving right now it's called experience by Ludovico so yeah, anything classical is like my jam. Nice. Um, and then last question: If you could be the patron saint of something, what would it be? <laughs> it would have to be patience. Patience. Um, patience. Yeah, to be patient and to be love uh, with others. Um, just because that's something you know I struggle with is patience. So definitely patience. <laughs> Paciencia. Nice. All right, Jenny. Well, thank you for that segment of Ask Jenny. Uh, So now we're going to jump into the next part, which is where our guest uh, shares, you know, a little bit about who they are, where they grew up, what they do, um, and just talk a little bit about their journey in the Catholic faith. So if Jenny, if you could just share with the viewers, who is Jenny? Yeah, so... um I was born in Mexico, and my parents brought me to the United States when I was two years old. So, um, you know, I grew up in southwest Detroit. Um, I come from a very traditional, you know, um, Hispanic family. And I remember since I was young, we've always been Catholic, not practicing Catholics, but we were always Catholic. Um, I don't remember much about going to Mass, you know, every Sunday, but... There was definitely, you know, like every Hispanic household has a crucifix, a rosary, um, holy water. Um, and you kind of just grow up with, um, you know, kind of the traditional sense of, you know, I'm Catholic. And, you know, this is what it means to be a Catholic, having a rosary, you know, having a crucifix. Um, and so as I got older, I started attending middle school. And so I went to an all-girls private school. And that was probably my first encounter with... What was the school's name? It was called Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yeah. Is that over at uh, on it, Central? It was on Central in Martin, and okay. so that was um, that was a private school for all girls, and so it was probably my first encounter with you know um, God, 
and um, they would take us to mass every Friday. Um, and so that's when I kind of was like, oh, this is different, right? Because I wasn't really used to going to mass. Because um, we would go to mass, you know, when the important dates came around. Um, and so Ash, Ash Wednesday or when, Ash, what, Ash Wednesday, to to. December, <laughs> Christmas mass. It's not a, what, what do they call those? Day of obligation. Yeah. They're not Which is funny because most yeah. people, that's the only day they go to. They go to, yeah, yeah. The mass is packed. Um, so, you know, I grew up like that. And so I remember I had a religion teacher. Her name was Miss Crowley. Um, and so she introduced us to the rosary. Um, and I remember thinking, wow, this is, it. you know, as a young child, I don't think, you know, the impact, but you kind of feel that presence of peace of like, oh, I like this, but you don't really understand why you like it. So, you know, from then I had like that intuition of, okay, um, you know, this, this feels good. Um, and, you know, life goes on and you get involved with friendships, you know, the world, and you kind of lose focus of, you know, like who you are, who you're trying to be. Um, so I get to high school and, um, you know, obviously everybody wants to be popular. Everybody wants to have friends. Everybody wants to, um, you know, get in with the cool crowd. And so, you know, you try to do anything to fit in with the cool crowd. And so unfortunately for me, that was, you know, the path I wanted to take. And so I got involved with, you know, a lot of like the cool kids and obviously the cool kids don't do a lot of good things. <laughs> So, um, I'm pretty sure there's a song that says, I want to be a cool like kid. kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was definitely my life for a long time. Um, and you know, junior comes around. Um, and by this time, my mom is getting a little bit more into, you know, the faith. Um, she starts attending mass. Um, she starts attending mass daily. Um, any particular reason why? Um, her mother had died. And so she felt kind of, you know, um, I think it was just a sense of grief um, and trying to deal with that grief. And so she started attending, you know, mass and she discovered, you know, Holy Redeemer um, and the adoration for the Blessed Sacrament um, that they had, you know, every day in the morning. And so it started off like that. And so, um, you know, during towards the end of my junior year, I had a very, you know, traumatic experience. And so after that experience, I really kind of put into perspective, like, you know, what am I here for? What do I want to do? Um, what's the sense of, you know, my life? Um, you know, am I really living? You know, what is to live? You know, what am I living for sort of deal? Um, and so through my healing process, you know, we started to incorporate the rosary at home. And so we would pray it every day. Um, and so it was sort of like, you know, at the time I didn't know, but it was sort of like, you know, liberation and healing. And so that for me was really touching. And so um, I always, you know, thank our Blessed Mother for that because through that, you know, I was able to find redemption and healing and um, just, you know, God. And so I, after that, you know, we started to attend um, Mass daily. You so this know. was junior year and you were like, what, 17? I was um, 16. 16 years old. I was okay. 16 years old okay. uh, when I was touched. And so... You know, a lot of people are like, oh, I was at this retreat or I was, you know, here and there and I had my conviction. Well, for me, it was this experience I went through, you know, that kind of um, brought together my family and me into more of into more of, you know, um, our relationship with God and, you know, being Catholics. What it does it mean to be a true Catholic? So you, know? you didn't really go to like a retreat or like youth groups. It was more so like 
just going to a church and praying a rosary. Yeah, yeah. You know, for me, it wasn't like, oh, I got involved into like these youth groups or I got involved, you know, particularly with the ministry in the church. It was so different, you know. And, and at that time, were there like youth groups present? Yeah, there was definitely youth groups present, you know. Um, through my conversion, you know, I've been, I, I feel like I've been everywhere and nowhere. <laughs> so, you know, I've done, you know, I was at St. Gabriel for some time. I was at St. Henwing for some time for their youth group, um, you know, never really quite fitting in, you know, so I would go and then kind of feel like, you know, Not for you. it wasn't for me. Um, you know, I think um, spiritually, I thought, you know, I was on another level. Um, and so I was kind of just, you know, on my own for a long time. And so, you know, just finding, I guess, that calling, you know, like, where do I belong? You know, what is my purpose? And so, um, you know, I continue to just, you know, pray my rosary. I love going to Sunday Mass, you know, for like a high schooler, like that's really weird, but I loved going to Sunday Mass and when they would have Masses during the week, you know, that was kind of my thing. Um, and so, you know, like every great thing, you're in love. <laughs> and then, you know, something hits and you're fine and you're like, again, you lose yourself and you're like, you know, for a while you're like, again, into the world, and you're like, okay, I love God, and I'm following a good life, you know, I'm not doing anything bad, but you start to slowly lose your devotion and your love, and so by the end of senior year, I was again, you know, hanging out with the wrong crowd, um, you know, trying to live a life of sin, and so um, that for me was, you know, not so good, and so again, um, finding my, you know, love with Christ again was very, um, I think, eye-opening, um, and so I started to incorporate, you know, adoration to the Blessed Sacraments. And so I would come in the mornings, you know, to um, talk with Jesus, to find, you know, help. And that's Father Tony, right? Uh, hi, Father Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Father Tony. We will have him on this podcast one day. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's been definitely a long journey. And so, you know, um, after high school... Um, you know, I kind of left, you know, my friendships, I left, you know, it was kind of like a whole new beginning for me. You know, everybody was doing their thing. They were going off to college, you know, I was going off to college. And so, you know, I kind of took that time to dedicate to the Lord and to me. And, um, you know, that really reformed me into understanding what it was to be a true Catholic, to what it is to, you know, um, say, hey, I'm Catholic, but not just, you know, hey, I'm Catholic, um, but a practicing Catholic. And so, um, you know, I adored going to Mass. I adored coming to, you know, the Holy um, Hour and um, praying my rosary. Um, and then, you know, as I learned more and more of faith, you know, having devotions, learning more about our saints, learning more about, you know, um, ways that we can help, you know, the blessed souls of the purgatory um, and ways that we can also help the souls, you know, reach heaven and uh, pray for those, you know, that need that need help or are lost. Yeah. So uh, you're a first generation person and college student. Like, what was that experience like? Because I'm assuming, I don't want to assume, but mm -hmm. I'm assuming your parents didn't exactly have access to an education back in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And so once you're in the United States, you have an opportunity. Like, what, what was your path on education? Like, were you, were you a bookworm or were you, like, just not bookworm? <laughs> I'm actually a bookworm. I love to read books, you know, and so that was um, something I love to do. I love to read a lot. Um, I love to, you know, listen to um, a lot of, you know, informational um, talks, and I like to, you know, know things and why things happen and, you know, 
Um, and so, yeah, I'm definitely a bookworm. Um, so, you know, during my, you know, formative years, I was, you know, a very good student. And so I love school. I've always loved school. I'm the type of person that school comes around. I'm there at Target, at, you know, trying to get my school supplies. Oh, like, I love it. Yeah, I'm assuming you, like, organize things very well. I do. I do. I have my colored pencils. <laughs> I'm like, my paper needs to be a certain type of paper. You know, I'm like very, very detailed in terms of, you know, what I like. So, What's your, Do you have a favorite type of pen? I do. I always carry a pilot with me. <laughs> yeah. So that's my favorite type of pen. And it's the extra fine point. Okay. That one's the one that I love. Yeah. And so um, what about where you currently work? Because I think a while back you shared with me that you, you've been there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, again, this goes back to, I guess, a little bit more about my education, you know. Um, so, you know, I'm DACA. So when trying to get into school, it wasn't as easy. What's DACA? DACA is uh, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrival. So that's something that, you know, is granted, that was granted by President Obama's administration to those uh, children, immigrants um, who came here with their parents and they were able to obtain a certain permission that's renewable every two years for you to, you know, go to school, work, um, and be able just to be part of an American society. Um, and so I was, you know, um, blessed to be granted that. And so, you know, I didn't know the implications. And so during my senior year, um, I didn't know that, you know, we didn't qualify for federal aid. So, you know, I had planned to attend U of M and, you know, um, uh, it, it, it kind of all was like, you know, shattered, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, because I didn't understand that. And so um, I was kind of lost and I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Right. Sort of thing. So, again, that's where prayer came in. And, you know, on my rosary, I'm, you know, praying and asking God for direction and, um, you know, There was a school right next to, um, you know, U of M at Dearborn, and it was Henry Ford College. And so I'm like, let me give this a try. And so, you know, they accepted me. Um, and, you know, obviously tuition wasn't too bad, so it was kind of manageable. And so I started going there. Um, and then, you know, through the course of my first year, I started looking for a job. And I'm like, I, I, I need to find a job. So um I was able to find a summer job and through my summer job, I was connected with where I work now at the Southwest Detroit Business Association. Um, and so it has definitely been an experience of growth and change. And, um, you know, I started off as a, as a kid <laughs> at 18, no, 17 years old there. Um, and not really knowing what I was doing, but trusting God that he would help me. Um, you know, because, You know, these were people that were experienced and professionals and I was coming in, you know, straight out of high school and not knowing, you know, they would ask me, hey, like prepare, you know, an RFP or do this or do that. And I'm like, RFP, what's that? RFP. It's a request <laughs> for proposals. So when you're trying to look for, you know, somebody. For grants? Well, not for grants particularly, but when you're looking for somebody, you know, to kind of do maybe a website, right? So you do an RFP to let them know this is what I want. And this is what I'm willing to pay you. And, you know, like, can you match that? Or what can you match and give me? And you distribute that to, you know, companies or, you know, businesses that, you know, you want them to submit a I mean, proposal to you. Pause. I mean, uh, in the future, I do want to start a coffee shop. So I think I'm going to have to keep you in my network. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll stay in touch. <laughs> Sounds good, Ricardo. <laughs> yeah, so you've been there for, mm -hmm. what was it? Five years? I've been there seven years. Almost Long 10 time. Years. Almost 10 years, Ricardo. And yeah. that's crazy. 
But, you know, I feel like, you know, it might seem a little bit weird because people always say you're just in one place, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're not growing. But for me, it's like, yes, I've been in one place. But throughout my seven years, I've held like so many positions. I've done so many things. I've grown so much. And, you know, I thank God for that early training and for all that, you know, he blessed me with because a lot of like, you know, kids that graduate college just don't have that experience, you know? They're fresh out of college. They know what they want to do. And, you know, they're looking for that, you know, training, that employment, that learning. And I've had the both, you know, kind of of best world. You know, I've had that education and I've had that on, you know, on hands experience. And so, um, you know, I think it's just God's plan, you know, and um, and he's always been leading me and teaching me. And, you know, you kind of find your nick in the world, what you want to do and what you're doing, you know. And I've always been a person that, you know, loves helping others. So I'm always like, you know, I've always had that calling of, you know, people coming to me or, you know, of me trying to assist people or, you know, finding the people that need help and, you know, trying to help them the best that I can. So I think that's definitely been an experience. Yeah. And uh, when we were starting the show, you mentioned that if you could have any job, you'd be a, a missionary. Like what, what do you envision yourself perhaps five years from now? Where would you like to be? What, what kind of work do you do? Because, you do? I mean, you you are uh, a bookworm. You you do know the business aspect. And I, I feel like that could open a lot of doors to a lot of mission work. I, I don't know exactly if you've thought about that. or Yeah, yeah. You know, I haven't thought about that too, too much. But like I said, you know, um, it's definitely been in the back of my mind, missionary work, just because I think it's so beautiful. And, you know, God gives us so many talents that we can use. Um, and, you know, we're here for him, you know, this is like basically our journey to heaven. Right. And so we're here to do good and be good and hopefully, you know, get into heaven. So I think that we're called to, you know, love one another, love our brothers and sisters and serve God the best we can. Right. Is there any last things you want to share about just your, your journey in the faith? Um, I think I would say trust God and, um, Love him, pray, and be devoted. You know, don't get discouraged. We're human. We fall. Um, you know, it happens. But God has endless mercy for us. He loves us. And he's always willing to forgive us. Thanks. All right. Well, thank you, Jenny. We're going to take a break now to listen to our sponsor. This episode of Café con Santos is brought to you by the Basilica of St. Anne's de Detroit. St. Anne's is a French origin church that was established in 1701 with their current building built in 1886. There are a few things that were brought from the previous church, which was the stone church. These are the body of Father Gabriel Richard, our founder, currently rests in our chapel, a hand-carved altar rail, It was carved in 1853 and is currently in our church. The 1818 cornerstone from the stone church. The statue of St. Anne that's on the shrine, which also contains a first-class relic of hers. And the chapel's altar from 1818 that Father Gabriel Richard used to celebrate Mass in. This church took about one year to build, and all pews were hand-carved. This is a French neo-Gothic structure, so everything points up. There are many known miracles, mostly around St. Anne's feast day, which is July 26. A lot of people 
come and pray for fertility and to find a good spouse. In the 1960s, St. Anne's Church was in the verge of closing, but thanks to the surplus of Hispanic community, it was able to stay afloat, and it has been a multicultural church since. Through the years, many parish ministries have served in the Southwest community, including Cornadas, Knights of Columbus, Guadalupanas, to mention a few. Good St. Anne, you were specially favored by God to be the mother of the Most Holy Virgin Mary and thus grandmother of our Savior Jesus Christ. By your intimacy with your most pure daughter and her divine son, kindly obtain for us the graces that we seek, the cure for us the strength to perform faithfully our daily duties, and the help we need to persevere in the love of Jesus and Mary. Madre de María y Abuela de Jesús, ruega por nosotros. What is up, everybody? We are back. Jenny just finished sharing her journey in the faith uh, this far. And, you know, just talk to us a little bit about her ups and downs uh, in life and and just shared how. Southwest Detroit. Southwest Detroit. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> so today... Uh, we're going to be talking about St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. I don't know how to say her, the Alacoque part, but we're going to, we're just going to say St. Margaret Mary. Uh, so we're going to start with that. All right. St. Margaret's story. St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, a French Roman Catholic visitation nun and mystic, is greatly recognized for her devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. She was born in 1647 in France. Margaret had always shown an intense love for the Blessed Sacrament and preferred silence over typical childhood play. She began practicing severe corporal mortification after her first communion at nine years old. She continued this until rheumatic fever confined her to her bed for four years. After making a vow to the Blessed Virgin Mary to consecrate herself to religious life, Margaret instantly returned to perfect health. In recognition of this favor, Margaret added the name Mary to her baptismal name. St. Margaret Mary Alacoque experienced visions of Jesus Christ for most of her life, but thought they were a normal part of life and continued to practice austerity. After the death of her father, Margaret and her family were forced into poverty when a relative refused to hand over the family's assets. Margaret's only comfort in life was her frequent visit to pray before the Blessed Sacrament at a local church. At 17 years old, Margaret's family was able to regain control of their assets. Margaret's mother started encouraging her to become more social in hopes she would find a suitable husband. One night after attending a ball in an evening dress, Margaret had a vision of Christ, scourged and bloody. He accused Margaret of forgetting about him. He showed her that his heart was full of love 
before her because of the promise she made to his blessed mother as a child. After this vision, Margaret was determined to fulfill the vow she made years ago. She entered the visitation convent at Paray le Monial in May 1671 to become a nun. St. Margaret Mary was admitted to wearing the religious habit in August 1671, but was not officially admitted to the profession until November 1672. Although she was described as humble, simple, kind, and patient, Margaret had to prove the authenticity of her vocation. During her time in this monastery, Margaret received several private revelations of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. These visions showed her the form of the devotion, the chief features being reception of Holy Communion on the first Friday of each month, Eucharistic adoration during a holy hour on Thursdays, and the celebration of the Feast of the Sacred Heart. The Lord Jesus requested his love be made evident through her. In her vision, she was instructed to spend an hour every Thursday night meditating on Jesus's agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, a practice known as the Holy Hour that later became widespread. In December 1673, Jesus appeared to Margaret Mary again and allowed her to rest her head on his heart. This human heart was to be the symbol of his divine human love. He revealed to her the wonders of his love. He explained to her that he wished to make these wonders known to all the world and that he chose her for his work. Margaret Mary convinced her superior mother that St. Maurice, her visions were authentic. However, she struggled with convincing others of the validity of her apparitions. A group of theologians declared her visions delusions and suggested she eat better. Even parents of children, she instructed, began calling her an imposter. Margaret eventually gained the support from the community's confessor, Saint Claude de Colombier, who declared her visions were genuine. Finally, all opposition from the community regarding Margaret's visions ended in 1683, when Margaret Mary became the assistant to the superior. St. Margaret Mary, who later became known as Novice Mistress, led the monastery in observing the Feast of the Sacred Heart privately and inspired the construction of a chapel built to honor the Sacred Heart. Margaret Mary died a couple of years later at the age of 43 on October 17, 1690, while being anointed. She spoke the words, I need nothing but God and to lose myself in the heart of Jesus. After her death, the devotion to the Sacred Heart was adopted by the Jesuits, but remained controversial within the church. The practice did not become officially recognized until 75 years later. St. Margaret Mary Alacoque 
was the topic of discussion long after her death. People talked about her mission and qualities, her revelations and spiritual maxims, and her teachings on the Sacred Heart. On September 18, 1864, Margaret Mary was beatified by Pope Pius IX. When her tomb was opened a few years later, two immediate cures took place and her body laid incorrupt. St. Margaret Mary Alacoque was officially canonized on May 13, 1920. St. Margaret Mary is the patron saint of people suffering from polio, devotees of the Sacred Heart, and those who have lost parents. St. Margaret Mary, pray for us. Pray for us. All right, so Jenny, any any things that stick out about St. Margaret Mary? Oh, what stuck out to me the most, Ricardo, was that, you know, her being human, just like us, you know, again, she went through temptation. She went through trials, you know, in terms of, you know, she made a promise to God. And so saying, hey, I'm going to become a nun. Right. And so, you know, she was cured and she felt fine. And so, you know, she's like going back, you know, to the world, doing, you know, worldly things and forgetting about her promise. And, you know, um, God comes back to her and says, hey, don't forget, I'm still here. Um, and, you know, she, you know, she kind of sees, is touched by that and decides to, you know, enter into covenant, become a nun. Um, and, you know, through that, she discovers the love of Christ. And so she, you know, doesn't turn back, you know, knows that the world offers her nothing and that God offers her everything. Mm-hmm. And so she turns to his heart and to his love. Yeah, I think what stood out to me was that promise, like she made as a, as a little girl. Because mm-hmm. it said that she she was sick for like four years, and I mean she was nine years old when she experienced that um, the devotion to mm-hmm. you know just living the faith. Yeah. And at nine years old, like I, I don't remember what I was doing at nine years old, but I, I was definitely not practicing penances and exactly and, yes. You know, for her to do that at a young age, and then I don't know what I really liked was that she was so thankful that she changed or she added the name Mary to her name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as we know, you know, Mary, you know, through Mary, we get to Jesus, you know, we get to God. And so um, I think that's just very, a very powerful devotion as well to our blessed mother, you know, Um, which again is why we have, you know, the sacred heart of Jesus and the sacred heart of Mary. Yeah. I think, some viewers, because I mean, I, if we're honest, right now we're we're pretty Catholic. <laughs> we got rosaries, we got statues, and so uh, I want to just clarify some things. Um, for those who may be concerned with promises that they've made to God, I think that it wasn't so much that Jesus was trying to say, "If you don't do this, you're gonna go to hell." I don't know. I could be wrong. But I think more so that remind her of her promise Mm -hmm. was to let her know, hey, it's the promise that you made was something beautiful. Mm -hmm. Please come back. Not in I'm going to kill you or I'm going to send you to hell. But it was like it's in your best interest because, you know, you've Mm -hmm. I'm assuming she kind of left the faith for a minute because, you know, it says that her mom was trying to have her, you know, get a boyfriend and get Very married awful. and all that well, stuff. Yeah. What, what do you think of 
that that word promise? Promise. I think promise is, you know, something that's very, very, um, it's a promise. I mean, it's a, it's, you know, a compromise. You're committing yourself to something. So it has to mean something, you know, you can't just say, oh, like I'm, I promise I will be there. You know, sometimes I think we say, I promise, you know, or I promise this or I promise that. And we forget what our promise is, right? It's a commitment. It's, you know, something that, you know, you, you made, um, you know. And so I think that it's also your integrity, you know. And so I think a promise is something, you know, that sometimes we forget about. But I think it's something that we should, you know, hold at a high standard for sure. Yeah. And it's like all of this that, that we're going to be talking about, the... The foundation is love. Love. It's love. love. Like, we're, we're going to talk about sacrifice. We're going to talk about the cross. We're going to talk about suffering. But it's all out of love. And I think that's a very important uh, thing to point out. Because, I mean, yeah. you know, without love, okay. Nothing. And I think that, you know, as we reiterate everything, you know, that we've, come to know and come to learn Ricardo I think that our Catholic faith screams love like that's the that's you know the center is love right through, through love we accomplish so much and do so much and you know um, God wants us to understand that through his divine mercy through the sacred heart of Jesus you know it's love 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 all right now that we cleared that all of this is con amor you know <laughs> um I love you. <laughs> um, why do you think it is important to accompany Christ in his suffering? Because mm -hmm. I feel like many people, when they think of Jesus, they just think of, oh, Jesus, you know, they don't associate him with a cross mm -hmm. in which we are also participants. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think it's very important because we have to accompany Christ, you know, um, in terms of repairing, you know, our present and future and past sins, you know, and it's a little way for us to do that reparation, you know, that us sinners. What's, sorry, what's a reparation? Reparation is basically when you console, when you repair, right? You're repairing, you're consoling, you're trying to, you know, calm down, right? Um, and so basically, you know, through the devotion of the sacred heart, you know, we're trying to repair the offenses that are done against, you know, you know, um, not only God, but, you know, like through, um, you know, when people like rob the, you know, the Holy host, you know, they do, you know, um, witchcraft with that or whatever they might do, um, or through, you know, the sinfulness of sinners, right. Um, or perhaps through, you know, the non-believers, um, or through the blasphemy, right? And so what we're trying to do is repair that and we're trying to save, you know, the souls and bring about the love of God. I think one of the beautiful things about the Catholic faith, there's many things, but one that I really appreciate is that we can profit out of our suffering. Like where else is it a good thing that you experience pain? Not in a what is it, a sadistic way or whatever the word is. Sadistic, but it, yeah, like not in a sadistic way, but in the way that, you know, through Christ's suffering, he mm -hmm. was able to save the world. Humanity, you know, yeah. Humanity. Through our suffering, whenever we encounter or we experience a cross in life, whether it be the death of a family member, the, the, the loss of a job, an illness, we can use that suffering for something good. Yeah. 
Like, where else do you find somewhere? I think it's in, in the world, they will be like, okay, your suffering doesn't really have value. It's just bad. Yeah. And as Catholics, we can do something with yeah. that. It's, it's, it's the most greatest, you know, I think, you know, um, uh, penance we can offer God, you know, whether it's like, oh, I didn't have lunch and now I'm really hungry. Offering that to God as, you know, penance or, you know, for our sinners or for the reparation of a sacred heart, you know, or like, oh, like my shoe broke, you know, even something simple as that, or maybe an embarrassment that you're going through, right? It's things like that, that you can offer him, um, you know, you fell down, right, Ricardo, as you mentioned, you know, the loss of a family member, um, grief is something, you know, very, very hard to go through. And, you know, uh, when we're going through grief, I think, you know, expressing that and, you know, offering up our grief to the Lord is something, you know, that we have to go through as a healing process, you know, to get over that grief, to, you know, be able to move on. And so, again, so many sufferings that we can offer to the Lord, like my teeth hurt, you know, um, you know, so many things. And I think that we sometimes forget or don't realize it that, you know, we can offer those. Those are worthy. Those are, you know, things that we can do, you know, as small as they may seem, they're, they count, they're worthy. And that's like, if you look into the world, the world will tell you, avoid any suffering. Mm -hmm. You could eat as much as you want, buy as much as you want. And I think a lot of the culture, that's what they tell you. Do all of this self, self-help stuff. Um, if someone is like doing something to you, just cut him off. I don't know what, what has your experience been with that kind of stuff, Jenny? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, people, the world tells you somebody does something to you, you know, like do it back to them, ignore them. Or, you know, I've recently had an experience where, you know, I, I was tested through, you know, humility, Ricardo. You know, um, I was, you know, taking my clothes to get washed. And, you know, every time I go in there, um, there's this woman. She always has a very nasty attitude, you know, and I always ask God, patience, Jennifer, humility, don't say nothing, be good, be good, you know. And so I think that's definitely, you know, where we encounter Christ is how do we assess that situation? How how do we, you know, um, go through about that situation is the way that we deal with it, right? Mm -hmm. And so instead of dealing it with, with feeling anger or feeling, you know, um, the sense of, no, I'm going to, you know, tell her manager, or I'm going to do this or that, you know, I think it's dealing it with, um, you know, humility and saying she's probably going through things or she went through things that I don't know about. You know, she's having a tough day. She's had a tough life. I don't know. You know, all I can do is treat her with what love because God gives us love. We're love. So, you know, these individuals have, you know, probably gone through suffering and you're just another person that says, Hey, you know, um, you scream at them, you, you know, again, you, you know, you get mad. And so you have to take that as giving love, being patient, showing, you know, who we are as Christians is, you know, showing the love of God within us. Right. And so I've had to, you know, a lot of patience, a lot of love and show, you know, I'm Catholic, I'm Christian. I love God. So I'm going to treat you as God wants us to treat, you know, each other. Yeah. And since we're mentioning, I mean, we keep repeating love, love, love. And when we do these things that are called penances or mortifications or reparations, one, they are because we're offending God. Mm -hmm. Us as individuals, we, we sin. And also other people are offending God. And when we uh, do penance, we do it because we understand that that person is also someone that Jesus died for. 
They don't only die for me. They don't only die for Jenny. Every single person on this world, Jesus died for. And so instead of yelling at them, uh, getting upset, I mean, we could get upset, but instead of acting in a negative way, we could experience or we could be humble and say, you know what? Um, I'll still choose to love you. Because I saw this video the other day that just said, like, you know, it's easy to love people who, who are nice to you. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to love people who attack you, mm-hmm. who talk bad of you. Yeah. Um, and so another thing that I, I kind of wanted to talk about was, I think as Catholics who practice the faith, we often get criticized for thinking we're muy santitos. And I think St. Margaret Mary was an example of that because she said that, or the biography said that a lot of the people in her community thought that she was making up this whole thing about mm-hmm. Jesus and his heart. And even the, the families were, I mean, people were saying, oh, I think you need to eat more. Yeah. Like saying, oh, estás loquita. Yeah. What, have you ever experienced that kind of like judgment from other people in regards to your faith? Um, I think I've experienced a lot, you know, I think that it's weird sometimes, you know, um, especially in the professional setting when, you know, you're going out to lunch, you're going out to dinner with, you know, other people and you're like, you know, doing the sign of the cross, blessing your food, you know, that sort of thing. People just stare at you. Um, I remember when I started to wear, you know, my crucifix around my neck, you know, I would get stares. Um, I had a bigger one before, (laughs) um, but I would get stares um, people would, wouldn't really ask about it. You know, they would just stare at it. Um, in terms of my views, you know, I don't, obviously, um, you know, I'm pro-life. So that's, you know, <laughs> so that's definitely, you know, something different for the world. Um, and as well as, you know, my other views on family life and, you know, the way it's supposed to be structured, um, you know, in terms of, you know, you know, a lot of people talk about right now, it's very popular, you know, um, pride, you know, people in support of that. And so, um, you know, it's very, very touchy subject, I know. But, you know, it's, again, we, we, we suffer repercussions, you know, and um, people just, you know, don't understand or they try to, you know, suppress you or, um, you know, telling you, you know, your views are different and they're wrong. And, you know, you kind of have to defend yourself and say, they're my views and this is what I think is correct, you know. Um, and so definitely a lot of prayer and patience, like I mentioned, something I work on, um, in trying to, you know, deal with that and, um, live my faith. Yeah. And I mean, I think, um, one of the, I think we could talk about Margaret Mary and the Sacred Heart. Like this could be like a whole podcast that talks specifically it could, about, it could. but I don't think we, we have enough time for that. Sadly, maybe a part two, some future but i do want to talk about the promises associated with the the devotion to the sacred heart so when jesus was um visiting saint margaret mary he was revealing truths to her Mm -hmm. and there's like a whole uh i don't know if the word is theology or there's a whole spirituality regarding the sacred heart and in part of those um, revelations or visitations or whatever, he gave us 12 promises. So we're going to read 
those 12 promises. It says the 12 promises of Jesus to St. Margaret Mary or those devoted to his sacred heart. Promise number one, I will give them all the graces necessary for their state of life. Uh, the second promise, I will establish peace in their homes. Promise number three, I will console them in all their troubles. Promise number four, I will be their secure refuge during life and above all in death. Promise number five, I will pour abundant blessings on all their undertakings. Promise number six, sinners will find in my heart the source of infinite ocean of mercy. Promise number seven, tepid souls shall become fervent. Promise number eight, reverent souls shall quickly mount to high perfection. Promise number nine, I will bless the homes where an image of my heart shall be exposed and honored. Promise number 10, I will give priests the gift of touching the most hardened hearts. Promise 11, those who propagate this devotion shall have their names written in my heart, never to be effaced. Promise number 12, I promise you in the excessive mercy of my heart that my all-power love will grant to all those who receive Holy Communion on their first Fridays in non-consecutive months the grace of final perseverance. They shall not die in my disgrace, nor without receiving their sacraments. My divine heart shall be their safe refuge in their last moment. A lot of great promises. <laughs> A lot of promises. And, and we started, wow, this is, oh my God. Oof. We started Amazing. off with talking about promises. We did. And the we? importance of promises. Mm -hmm. And then we just finished, or we, we just talked about promises. Yeah. If God took serious the promise of a nine-year-old girl, how much more is his own promise? Can you imagine, Ricardo? Ooh. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Did any of those 12 stick out to you? Um, I think it's definitely, you know, um, the last one, which sometimes, you know, um, you know, as Catholics, there's so many ways to obtain, you know, so many graces that sometimes we may miss out on them. And so I think this is a very powerful, you know, devotion because, you know, he's asking us for nine months out of the 12 months, one Friday, the first Friday of every month to come to mass, to take Holy Communion, to be in the state of grace, right? Um, and, you know, we will, you know, not only repair, um, you know, uh, provide reparation for his heart, but also, you know, obtain salvation for not just us, but many of the sinners. So they're very, very, very powerful promises and very, very beautiful. And that's a, that's a deep, very powerful promise. Because, like, if you think about it, death is like a very sensitive, like when you're, when you're about to die, it's a very mm -hmm. sensitive period because you are, you know that you're going to die. And that I've heard from priests that is a, is a specific point where the devil tries to attack you, yeah. make you doubt your salvation, mm -hmm. puts all of these fears into your head. And to be 
consoled at the hour of your death mm-hmm. and say, you know what, I will make sure that you have the graces needed. Yeah. That's powerful. It is, you know, and he gives us so many, you know, he gives us like, you know, the consecration to our, uh, you know, blessed mother um, to the saints so that at the hour of our death, we're not alone. You know, we're surrounded by our saints that we're devoted to. We're surrounded by the Blessed Virgin Mary, um, you know, to help fight off, you know, the devil in his last attempt to gain, you know, our soul. And so, you know, I think I think that we have it all, you know, in our faith. And, um, you know, when we really try to understand it and know it and love it, there's just so many graces, you know, um, and so many um, ways, you know, to obtain salvation and, you know, fight off the enemy. <laughs> Because you hear that ambulance, <laughs> think about your death, memento mori. You want to have Jesus on your side at the hour of your death. <laughs> That's a fire truck. <laughs> I think um, one thing that stood out to me, I, I did that one stuck out to me too, but one that was like pretty interesting to me where it was seven and eight. It said, tepid souls shall become fervent. A tepid soul is like a lukewarm. It's lukewarm. lukewarm being lukewarm soul. here so and there. Pretty much someone who's not really practicing their faith. It says that those who practice the devotion to the sacred heart will become fervent. And fervent is like you're on fire. Exactly. Like yeah. You are on fire you're for Jesus. Forever. You're devoted <laughs> to God. Serving him, you'll die for him. And then the promise right after that, fervent souls shall speedily rise to great perfection. So you went from lukewarm to you're on fire. And now you're on fire, but you're even surpassing that. Surpassing it, yeah. I don't know what has... Have you seen that in your life? Like, because you've talked about how there were seasons in your life when Mm -hmm. you experienced that devotion. But as you've grown and matured, has it been easier to be faithful, practice virtues, mm-hmm. etc. Um, you know, it has Ricardo. Um, but then again, you know, as I, I think, as we think that, you know, if we follow God or we follow, you know, um, the church that it's going to be a starlight path. It's not, it's definitely not. There's always going to be struggles, but it's how we deal with those struggles. And I've known that I've gone through, you know, some pretty tough struggles in these last recent years. And so, you know, through my struggles, um, you know, and, um, I've been able to deal with them, you know, well, I feel, but I think it's through, you know, um, prayer and it's through my devotion and it's through, you know, knowing that I love God and trust him. So Jenny, any last thoughts or shameless plugs? Cause we didn't even talk about STR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, um, I guess, you know, we meet, uh, the second Fridays of every month, um, usually here at Most Holy Redeemer at 7 p.m. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jovenes STR. Um, so, you know, to keep posted on our meeting dates, 18 to 35 are welcome. Single or married, you're welcome. Um, so join us. Yeah. Yay. Yahoo! All right, Jenny. Well, thank you so much for joining me, talking about the Sacred Heart of Jesus, St. Margaret Mary, sharing your journey and the faith. I like to close these episodes by the guest closing off in prayer. Sure. And then I'm going to invite the listeners to pray the rosary. 
you're going to say pray the rosary. And then together, we're going to say pray the rosary. Okay. Got it? Yeah. Right, so if you could close us off in prayer. Yeah, sure. Um, Lord Jesus, we put ourselves in your presence. We thank you for this blessed day. We thank you for this time you gave us together. We thank you for um, the many viewers that will watch this podcast. We ask that you touch their hearts and that they come to know your love, Lord Jesus. Um, and we also ask you for our sinners, the blessed souls of the purgatory, and um we also ask for those um, going through tough times. We ask those that need to know of Jesus that you touch their hearts and that you reach them. And we also ask for our constant conversion. And uh, we thank you for Ricardo. And we ask that this uh, Cafe Con Santos continues on for many, many years and that he does many great things. Um, we pray all this in your name. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Blessed Mother, we also ask for your maternal protection and prayer. And we pray in your name. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for our sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Michael. Pray for us. St. Joseph. Pray for us. St. Margaret Mary. Pray for us. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. If you would like to support the mission of Café Con Santos, you can do so by following us on Facebook, subscribing to our YouTube channel, and also sharing these videos with friends, family, and all the people in your networks. I hope that you enjoy the rest of this day. And please, please, please always remember, pray the rosary. Pray the rosary. Pray, pray the, the rosary. rosary. All right, you kind of got it. Oh, no. Wait, was it you, me, then you? No, you got it. You got I got it. it. Okay. Yeah, other people did worse. Okay. <laughs> but you got it.